And welcome on in to another episode of the Water Rush Podcast here on the STL Podcast Network. I am Joe Roderick, and right now we're doing things a little different this week. No Road Warrior Annual with me at the moment, but we uh, will hear from him coming up in just a few minutes. Doing the show this week from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where Joe grew up and uh, really got his start in the wrestling business. Brought him up here to, uh, well, get around and uh, promote the podcast. Uh, well, for, I would say all over the country. You probably heard or saw that he was on your local sports talk uh, station this past, uh, well, this past Tuesday. I guess it would have been, maybe Wednesday if they recorded it, because I was up here for my radio job doing uh, Radio Row, and I dragged Joe along with me, had him booked on 25 different radio stations <clears throat> over the uh, the first part of the uh, the week. So really, you can probably go back and look at uh, wherever you might be and see that they, they might have had Road Warrior Animal on the uh, on the show, so it's uh, it was a busy week for Joe, but that did not stop us from getting a lot of work done. On Monday, we uh, uh, well we had a busy start to our day. We started off at Ken Anderson's wrestling school in Minneapolis that he uh, he owns and trains uh, wrestlers with Sean Davari, and. Uh, Ken was kind enough to let me get in the ring and uh, show me how to take a uh, take a bump. There's video of that online, and then we uh, we sat down with Ken and talked to him for about an hour or so, which I believe we are going to play that interview next week, next Thursday, on the uh, on the Water Rush podcast. Because after we were done at Kent's, after I uh, after I ran back and forth on the rope a few times, and we uh, we hung out with him at the academy in Minneapolis, we went right down the road, little literally right down the road in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, a uh, suburb of Minneapolis, and we went to the offices, the business of Barry Darso. That's right, Crusher Khrushchev. The uh, Demolition Smash, the Repo Man, we went there. He and Joe have known each other for God, 35, 40 years, and we sat down and we talked with Barry, and you will be able to hear that interview as well, so uh, this week, I should say. So that is what we have in store for you today. That is why Joe is not here at the moment, because of our travel arrangements, because the schedule was a, uh, a little bit uh, a little bit funky if you will so we uh, yeah we had to change things up but still you are about to hear some uh, amazing stories from the career of Joe Laurinaitis road warrior animal and one of his best friends Barry Darso as we sit down and talk with the two of them for this week's oh what a rush podcast Joe, we continue our trip up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are in town for Super Bowl 52. And joining us now is a guy that you have known nearly your whole damn life. Uh, Yeah, man, since I was 17 years old. You know, in the the world of professional wrestling, my humble opinion, three of the best teams ever in the history of our business have been the Road Warriors – the Heart Foundation and Demolition, and today got my one of my best friends ever. I learned how to wrestle with this guy at Ed Sharkey's camp. We have Barry Darso 
a.k.a. Smash of Demolition. Joe, yep. it is great to see you. All you guys. Unbelievable. It's, you know what, this is, uh, for, for the fans that loved you guys back in the 80s and 90s, I'm going to tell them that we walked in to Barry's business here, and Road Warrior Animal and Demolition Smash are talking about their grandkids to each other. Yeah, bro. So if you if you are a fan out there and you want to feel, you know, you want to be aged a bit, that both Road Warrior Animal and Barry Darso, Demolition Smath, are grandfathers now. Yeah, hey, but don't kid yourself. We paint our faces up right now. We can probably get in the ring and do whatever we want. And what's funny is our grandkids are probably the toughest grandkids in the world, too, aren't they, Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, Joe, I tell you what. If you want, and I know you'll probably ask this, Barry could tell you a few stories that I've told you about our bouncing days at Grandma B's and uh, oh, I want to hear them. The old tripwire yeah. that we had out front. That- oh. <laughs> but, oh, how old are your grandkids, Barry? Um, I have uh, one that's one and a half, Lincoln Scarlet. She's uh, you know four or five. My memory isn't real good on those kind okay. of things. And then my uh, oldest is almost six. Okay, well, you know what? At memory in this podcast that I do with Joe, it's okay to not have a good great memory. We know you've been hit over the head with a chair a time or two. Oh yeah, we, we're, we're both under the concussion <laughs> syndrome thing, man. Yeah, we both. We probably got a little bit of heat for that too. Oh right, yeah, that's <laughs> why. I do. Hey, that's know. why neither one of us got asked to be on the Raw 25th year anniversary show. It's like when you said 17 years old, you knew us. You know, we were friends. <laughs> and it was, I thought, God, didn't we know each other even longer than that? It's like you can't even remember back then anymore. I know. Man. Do uh, do your grandkids? Do they know? What their grandpa did back in the day, or they old enough um, to yes, watch that? Yes, uh, they do. In fact, I we uh, had kind of a little wrestling match in Michigan when uh, my son Dakota was there, and uh, Jake the Snake Roberts was there, and uh, we were kind of goofing around. And brought the kids there, and they just loved it. Yeah, you know, well, his grandkids have to. His not only the grandpa wrestled, but his son Dakota wrestled too. Mm-hmm. So you know, they they were born into the wrestling family per se. And so they 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 ever bring you because Joe a few weeks ago had to go in for show and tell. Oh, you did that. <laughs> yeah. you see, well, my my grandkids are all, all the way in Michigan, so I don't get to see them all the time. So he's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you'd be killing people already. <laughs> uh, oh man. So we um we actually we just came from Ken Anderson's Academy. Oh, the Academy. Oh, yeah. unbelievable, huh? Yeah, nice place. Right? We came there. I took my first bump ever. Oh, jeez. A, yeah, and, oh, and you walked in here. I, Bro, I'm listen, so, Okay, so. At first, it was like Gumby falling. <laughs> he's, he's getting on me. It was my first ever time in a wrestling ring. You didn't ring. slam him? First no, ever time that I take I a bump. Have. And he's sitting there giving me shit for it. And I'm just like. Joe, like my first time, like you're that's like asking somebody, hey, go step in a batter's box and take a 90 mile an hour fastball and see if you can hit it. Like, and looking stupid doing that. Like, he's expecting me to be like Ric Flair in there falling down. Well, the rings nowadays they train are a lot easier than what we train. The regular rings. I mean, oh, we train. It, it was like this table. Yeah. It was a you know? you know, four by fours with plywood and and a canvas on it. You know, but I, I was telling Barry, I was telling Joe the, the story. About the how we would come out of camp and each one of us uh, any certain day would have a broken nose coming out of camp because nobody told us it was hey, fake. Remember the one day uh, you you did you did something you gave a suplex to somebody or something and you came up and you had a nail hole in your elbow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I had a nail, nail hole stuck, stuck oh, in his elbow. You're right, my elbow. I forgot about that, man. I had the nail hole, but I also told Joe the story about. Well, I said when Barry was about 340 pounds. 
he threw me in and he gave me a shoulder tackle. You remember when my tibia got dislocated oh. in my leg and I, it was sticking out? Yeah. And everybody's going, what is that? I said, something's wrong with my leg. And Eddie Sharkey goes, oh, yeah, just keep laying that in. We didn't know that you worked it. We were really punching <laughs> oh, each other. Barry we were killing so, each other. Barry hit me so hard with a tackle that my leg actually got caught underneath me. And I was three, you know, 300 pounds at that too. But my leg got caught underneath and I stood up and, I, and, my, and so we go hobbling outside. Remember that yeah. An uneven piece of sidewalk and all of a sudden, boop, it popped back in. I said, oh, feels pretty good. Let's go back in. What was unbelievable is Hawk, Mike Hegstrand, Rick Rude, Joe, and myself, we were in the camp together and Eddie Sharkey never smartened us up. Never got in a ring. He wouldn't get in the ring with us because he knew, you know, we were, it would have been ugly for him. <laughs> yeah. But we were killing each other, and he never said, you know, lay up a little bit on that, you know, work these punches, work these kicks. <laughs> so the whole time in camp, we were killing each other, just like working at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> it was like bouncing to Grandma B's. It was like the infamous Grandma B's, man. And uh, so, you know, Joe said that he, he wasn't a wrestling fan beforehand. He never watched any of it. What about you? I, I was a big fan. I, you know, I went to school with uh, Kurt Hennig. Uh, he was a couple years ahead of me, so I watched Larry the Axe Hennig growing up all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, him and Harley Race and the Crusher and the Bruiser and all them. And, you know, so I, I got to be a wrestling fan way back. And, you know, I never dreamed of being a wrestler, but... Uh, when uh, we all worked at Grandma B's and Eddie Sharkey was a bartender there, then all of a sudden kind of that dream was starting to, you know, maybe that is the dream to come to you know, Barry, a wrestler. I, I told Joe uh, what really got me into into the wrestling gig. I don't know if you were there that day. I know Wayne and I, Wayne Bloom and I, Wayne the Train Bloom and I were there. When Hulk Hogan first came into the gym, oh, the, the old gym, gym, gym. Yeah. the old gym where we all learned how to powerlift and stuff, and I looked at him and I said, Jesus Lord! The first thing I said is, "What is he taking?" Right. <laughs> what a big son of a gun! Back he then. was huge. That was right before he was in the Rocky movie. Then. Yeah, man, he was huge because none of us. I mean, nobody was really that big. But Scott Doring was the biggest yep. guy back then, right? Yep. And we were all just trying to lift. And I, I think I was 18 years old when he came in. Maybe not. Maybe 17. Just turned 18 years old. And I look, I said, my God, because the gym was my first membership my mom bought me, right? Right, right. <laughs> look at that. I said, holy crap. But then, you know, it ended up being a couple years after that, we're, we're sitting there talking, well, he ain't benching that much. I, yeah, can- <laughs> I cannot bench him. Yeah, I can bench him. What was uh, funny about that, too, is uh, we were all just really getting into powerlifting and getting strong back then. Yeah. And then Dino Bravo came in. Yeah. And I spotted Dino Bravo, and he, uh, he benched 500 probably five, six times. And I never benched 500 at that time yet. Yeah. And I thought, holy cow, you know, being a wrestler and hitting 500 for that many reps, it took me a long time before I could get 500. Yeah, 500 is a heck of an achievement. Joe yeah. got my co-host Joe Rodder got mad at me one day because he asked me, he goes, at your prime, what was your light day kind of like? And I, you know, I tried to explain to him I was training with Warlord. Right. And I think one day at the gym, I think we we did like. 505 for like 12 or 15 reps of our yeah. light day, right? Yeah. No, I've, the first time, before we even started doing this podcast, we had met, we had talked about doing the podcast and planning, so I'm doing my research. I'm reading, you know, I'm reading the book, I'm going back watching old matches, I'm listening to any interviews he's done, so I can have an idea of everything that's been talked about, figure out how to do this. I'm in the gym lifting, listening to a podcast, 
and I'm I'm deadlifting. You know, I'm doing some reps with like 300 or something deadlifting, right. and he's sitting there talking about you know 600 pounds, and I'm just like, you know what? F this. Like, why am I here yeah, doing? Right. Like, why why do this when? Or Joe squats too. Unbelievable squatter. I mean, but 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 you know, everybody's got their gimmick yeah. when they do. Like Barry was a squatter and a deadlift. deadlift Barry was, was a deadlifting thing, man, and which is hard for a tall guy. Yep. But Barry could pull some weight, man. He and, I told him how you and William had the two-man deadlift. Like, I don't know if it's yep. still in the Guinness Bowl Book of Records or not. Well, I still can't believe what we were deadlifting back then because it doesn't even seem real. I mean, oh, it no, was, it was re- ridiculous. You know, you'd rep 700, you know, 10, 11, 12 times. But, you know, it was... Uh, People can't fathom that. No, no. And, and we were young and young and dumb. I, you know I, I, I mean? tell you know, Joe, here, here's a great story. I'll t- tell you a little gym story here, right? Now... Barry's getting ready to compete. I think it was in Worlds, right? Worlds, you're getting ready to compete in Worlds or one of the big meets, right? And I'm sitting there watching Barry, and we're all, you know, it's all customary, man. This is one of your buddies. You want him to succeed and be the guy. You want him to win the meet. And he's getting ready for a deadlift, and he's got the smelling salts in each nostril, and he's getting ready, and we're going, come on, pull it, pull it, pull it, right? And, bro, he does what we call blow a gasket. Out of both nostrils come this shooting stream of, oh, right on the wall. of blood. Boom. boom, boom, and his belt explodes. And if I didn't duck down, it would have been the hardest hit I ever got hit in the head. It went right because I was right in front of him. It went right over my head, and I ducked out. It's, God, I forgot it, all about and that. And those lifting belts were thick. Yeah, that was. And Barry was grunting and pushing so hard. You gotta understand, man. The, the force. I bet you could pull a semi with those belts. Yeah, Barry yeah. was pushing because you know when you deadlift, right. that, you got to really push yeah. off your abdomen and everything else. He was pushing so hard he exploded that belt, and it didn't rip where the buckle lifts. It ripped like in half, kind of, which is really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even remember that since, since you said yeah, that. Man, cause I, I, yeah, man. Because I there's been some stuff, you know. Yeah, hey, listen, we could write a book on just gym oh, yeah. stories. People would never believe it, you know. <clears throat> So we're here in in your office. Yeah, we're, we're here in your office. Is it still Brooklyn Park? Are we still in Brooklyn, yeah, we're Park, in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota? Park here. Brooklyn okay. Park. So what what do you do here? What I, I see all the hard hats everywhere. What do you, what is it that you do here? Well, um, just to you know, from the very beginning, we started the business. I got a business partner who I've known since about seventh grade. The name of the company and is It's Added Value Printing, and mm-hmm. we started in his garage. And it ended up, we've been to five different places, and now we bought the building here. And we print on hard hats, safety vests, safety glasses, and we do a lot of, uh, uh, you know, T-shirts and that kind of stuff. But it's, it's mainly for, you know, companies, construction companies is our, our biggest thing. So I'm here six, seven days a week. It's uh, every once in a while I still get out and see Joe on the road doing autograph deals and it's it's nice to get out of here because I'm here all the time. Mm-hmm. But I love this business. It's it's a it's a great business. Get to meet a lot of people. And uh, so you, the employee. You know, I mentioned the grandkids. The employees here, they all know who they're working for. Oh yeah, but they don't put you over. They're, <coughs> nah. you're, you're, the, the you're, you're the boss. You're and the boss. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no. I'm only making this much money. Here. <laughs> yeah. Give me a raise. But no. who is this? We were, you know, we last week we were watching the '91 Rumble. We watched. We did. We watched along the entire hour long match. We hit play and we just did running commentary. Wait, which during... one was that one? Was we're, were both? <laughs> yeah, you guys were both. Yeah, uh, we were both in it. You okay. would crush, right? It was you and crush. You would crush. 
Me yeah. and Crush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're, we're in the Rumble match. And one of the things, you know, certain guys coming out, and Joe's talking about guys that, you know, successful in different businesses outside of wrestling. And, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, being on the road as much as you were, doing all of that to stop that, to settle down, you know, put the, put the roots back in place, and then start a, start a company. It was tough, but you know, I I had a great mom who had a work ethic that was unbelievable, and it's even when we trained, we worked, we trained, we did everything. It was like our whole life was work. We all had like three jobs. At, yeah, at and time. and that just kind of, you know, I, I uh, while I was wrestling, you know, I started dabbling in the real estate and started, you know, getting in this business when I was starting to be part time in the wrestling because I just knew you, you got to do something else besides. Just go to the gym and train, and you know you want to you want to better yourself all the time, and that's kind of what it is here. And and it's the same thing with the employees. I always tell them, you know, don't just be satisfied with just doing what you're doing here. Learn more about the business so you can be more part of the business, and we can pay you more. And I try to get all the employees to to really work hard and better themselves. You know, we 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 all had that ambition when we we're in the wrestling business. Yeah. We all thought that one day that we would be behind the scenes helping the companies yeah. grow, especially WWF, WWE, or whatever, you know, or doesn't matter what company it is. But, you know, you find out real quick, man, if you're not a friend of the oh. of the head honcho, you're not getting in there to do anything. And, and Barry yeah. found out the hard way. I found out the hard way. And Joe, the most disappointing thing about when you guys came up there, because you guys were the top team all over the world in – they were they were in the NWA Japan. Everybody knew the Road Warriors. And then when we started up in the WWE, you know, we worked our way from the bottom and worked our way up and became one of the better teams too. And I appreciate you saying we were one of the top three. No, teams. it's true, man. Because that's true. that's how you guys are too. And but what was so disappointing is we were we were the champions up in the WWE, and they were coming in, and it was like they didn't even care about how big of an angle this could have been and joe and mike were my best friends in in this business and you know uh you wanted so much more when you finally got to working with them so you got two of the top tag teams and all they did was they just put us together they could have had one of the biggest angles ever and it could have been one of the main events in one of the towns and would have it would have been a wrestlemania main event tag it would have been unbelievable and 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 one of the best ways to do it would have been just never put us together they could have kept us apart for two three years we could have built that thing without even putting us together and when we finally got together it would have been huge and that's what i was out of all the stuff that ever happened in this business, that was the most disappointing part of it for me. Yeah, because that, 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 was, that was the time when it was the biggest event you could have ever had in the business. Well, you know. <clears throat> and plus wrestling your friends. Exactly. You know, you know right. I mean? It would have been the most unselfish way to do business in the history of our tag team. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> when they put us together, we clashed. You guys were you guys. We were us guys. It just didn't. There wasn't a heel and a baby face that was really set like that. Well, and then, and then they, on top of it, and talk, to put insult to injury, then they have us go in there, and what happens the first match, they end up having us beat you guys, which was ridiculous, which should have been a DQ at minimum, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, but and here, but, but with, with the wrestling fans, no, because they were great followers at that time. 
they they had to know and and even Vince McMahon had to know here you had the best of this group and the best of this group and now you finally get them together and you do what you did yeah, yeah, it, it just didn't make sense, and it was they, disappointing. they wanted to kill it. it. It was very disappointing. You know why it was? Here's why it was: because in the world of professional wrestling, especially with the WWE, it's a single man's business, and at that time, you would have had two teams taking over, and and just think if we would have worked that program like you said, it would have got over like we know it would have got over. Now you would have had two teams that could pretty much. Say yes or no to whatever right. they wanted to, and they didn't right. want that. You know, right. they didn't want that to be able to happen. So that's why I believe they didn't do that in that respect. But man, and and it was terrible for you guys because Bill and I were the type of guys that when when Vince would say, "I want these guys over," we would get you over like a million dollars. But you don't get a team over by just getting beat like that. That no, that you doesn't. Don't. It doesn't do it. It's it's. It's us beating you guys up, you beating us up, and who's the better team then that's who it is. And then it would have been time for us to leave. But they were I think they were kind of phasing us out a little bit because we were the champions for so long there. They kind of they wanted to make that change and they didn't know what to do. And I think it pooped. Well, I said this the other day, you know, um, they, you, you have seen it, I'm sure you've heard, I'm sure if your family members or friends, you know, when the team that's in the company today, the, the Ascension, when they came out, first thing they did when they did a promo is they ripped on Demolition and they ripped on the Road Warriors and everything else because they're painted up and, right. you know, but, but they, got the, they got skirts on, so I don't know what that makes them. <laughs> but, but anyway, I, Joe was laughing the other day. We did a podcast two weeks ago, and I said, Joe, moment of silence, please. And he says, what are you talking about? I said, well, we have to have a moment of silence for the Ascension because now they are officially dead in the wrestling business. Because <laughs> yeah. they got beat by in 30 seconds. Yeah. They got beaten 30 there seconds. Some now there somewhere. You, they pissed somebody off somewhere because you don't have a team go out there who you're thinking are going to be your team to draw you money and sell merchandise, and you beat them in 30 seconds. It's yeah. just, <laughs> there's nowhere to go when you get beat like that. On, on, on a TV today that's reaching millions of homes, forget it. Yeah. How closely do you follow the current product? Um, I, I really don't have a lot of time to watch it. You know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll you know, take a peek at it. And I don't know, my, my favorite out of everybody after all the years was uh, Santino. <laughs> I, I loved his gimmick. I, I seen him one time. I went down to the building when it was in Minneapolis when Dakota was just breaking in. And I saw him there and I said, you know, he came up and introduced himself and everything. I said, you're my favorite wrestler of all time. I mean, really, what a gimmick, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, funny. and then Dolph Ziggler was my next because he reminded me of Kurt Hennig. Yeah, yeah. Dolph's and, a very much an underused talent. And yeah. what a talent he yeah. was. Oh, I don't know what he's doing now, but he's uh, still in there. Yeah, he made his return last night at the Rumble, actually. Oh, he did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dolph Ziggler, you're the man too. Yeah, well, and it's and weird. Curtis, it, yeah, it, and then Curtis it, Axel. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, he was my favorite forever, and they just didn't treat him right from uh, the beginning. Joe Henning? Uh, yeah, bro. Yeah, listen, we were talking about this on the way here. You know. What a talent. Hey, what a team that would be. Oh, Joe yeah. Henning and uh, Dolph Ziggler. Yep. Unbelievable team. Put Dolph Ziggler and Joe Henning, Curtis Axel together would be a phenomenal tag team. They both right. walk. I mean, Joe Henning is Kurt all over again. 
If you watch him walk, the same thing on the tippy toes, flexing the calves, the mannerisms, the, the punching, attitude, uh, the punching, everything. the superplex, the heading, the perfect plex, it's all Kurt. And why you wouldn't go off that third generation lineage, man, and use that to your advantage in a business, you're fighting, you're fighting evolution. You know, yeah. I don't know why you would do that, man. And, and Dolph Ziggler's a great talent. You know, you got a guy that was an all-American wrestler, the amateur wrestler, which we know in our business, very few shooters make it because they, they can't get that shooter hard. mentality right. out of their head. That's why I'm really worried, um, although I think she's got a great name, about Ronda Rousey. Right. You could tell her mannerisms last night. Is she in the, getting in the business now? In the Rumble last night. She, she showed am- up. Last, she, was a, she didn't, wasn't no, in no, the no, Rumble. Yeah. She wasn't in the Rumble. She was the last. She came down at the very end and, like, would point at the WrestleMania flag. But you could see the nervousness because you're in USC. You're not playing the cameras. Right. Now you got to play the cameras, and it's a whole different – the entertainment business is a whole different beast. But, you know, who knows if she's going to be able to – hey, listen, she's a great judo girl, but are you going to be great in the ring, you know? Can you work? Can you work? And you got to be able to learn that. And this is the one thing I was trying to – we were talking about earlier today with, with Ken Anderson is about, you know, the level in our business. Yeah, we were talking about, you know, we were mentioning Joe was asking about guys in the business and everything else. And Ken Anderson was doing what I did. Who? who? <laughs> <laughs> no, who? but and not being conceited. It's just that you don't know. No, right. Because when you're in the big daddy, you don't really know what's going on in the smaller territories or underneath territories or the little companies. Right, right. Or even in Japan sometimes, unless you're working for the major corporations in Japan or something like that, you know. And sometimes even the guy will come over and say, hey, I'm a beast in Japan. And you you look on the car and he really ain't nothing in Japan. You know what I mean? Yep. And you don't know because, yep. you've, because you've already danced that dance. Right. So you already know what it's like there, you know. So, yeah, it's definitely an interesting time in the business. But last night, Barry, I got to admit. You missed it. the The women's Royal Rumble stole the show. You know, I thought I would never say that ever in wrestling, but they stole the show. That's good. Some of those women are unbelievable, and uh, I have seen a few of them. And you see them on the road every once in a while doing the autographs, and they are phenomenal. It's they're uh, they're better than the guys. More entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Ric Flair's daughter's doing really well. Charlotte is unbelievable. I see her on the Twitter every once in a while. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. Asuka's doing great. You know, the Japanese girl won two Japanese champions last night. Nakamura. So now you're going to get me to have to start watching this stuff. I again. know, <laughs> man. Jesus. Listen, I got to watch it. To but do why the... do I got to watch it? I don't have a podcast. <laughs> so yours going to be the number one podcast around, huh, Joe? You, uh, you, it's on its way. You mentioned uh, being on Twitter nowadays. Yeah. The uh, What are your thoughts on the use of social media in wrestling? Well, it, it's gotten huge. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of like politics, I guess. You know, either you know you say something good about somebody, and you hardly get any coverage. As soon as you say something bad about somebody, you got all the coverage. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, it's it's a huge tool. Yeah, I, you know, a few years ago, you guys were mentioning the the lawsuit and the heat that that that's probably brought on you guys. Over the years. Oh, it's not probably. It's there. <laughs> it's there. I haven't got a phone call from anybody who I used to talk to. So, you know, a few years ago when New Day was on their long run for yeah. that, you guys were still mentioned each and every week on Raw. It right. was they are, you know, the longest reigning tag champs since demolition. Longest reigning tags. So where you guys were still getting that push, it, I mean, sure as hell seemed like they were pushing towards that. So New Day could pass it, and then they wouldn't have to mention 
that Demolition was the longest running right. tag champ again. Oh, they exonated so, in a hurry. Didn't right. They? So I mean that 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 was you know a beauty and a curse because you guys were getting all signed publicity every single week, but it was to stop giving you publicity anymore. Right. It's, it's it's such a strange business. Oh, you're the forgotten guys now. You know, yeah. and New Day deserves it. Whatever. Whoever gets in the position to do whatever they have to do, more power to them, and, and fantastic. Oh, yeah. The but, social media end of it and everything else now, I mean, New Day, I'm sure, wait, making way more money in ancillary yeah, rights than they, they are, are in the ring. ring. And, yeah. I mean, oh, it's yeah. stupid stuff, too, that they yeah, go yeah, out there. Bootios. The, the cereal. Now it's just pancakes, that they're out there you know, putting pancakes down guys' mouth, and it gets over. And but, it's just crazy that. You know, the one thing I have to say, though, is they have an asterisk by their name, though. Did why, you know that? Why is that? Because they didn't wrestle as many matches as we did in that time limit. Uh, so they got an asterisk. There you so go. they're not the real true. You're, you're right there. So, buddy. so they they had the Freebird rules too. So yeah, you yeah. know, what, you know, here, here's a good. So thing. Here's yeah, a there good you thing. go. There's better get that on Twitter. Right? Here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a good thing about it. As long as Booker T's on the show. Because Booker T doesn't play the politics game. That's why I like Booker. Here's the, here's the deal. He always mentions demolition. <laughs> He's always saying they were somebody else. Hey, now that's a road warrior pop or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. So either way, we're getting the shameless plug. No matter <laughs> yeah. what, you know. But so what's it gonna... sound like in his ear? What's Vince saying back in uh, back? Don't ever mention that name again. Damn it, Booker! <laughs> I told you not to say that name. But you know, it, but it, but it is funny. Joe and I were talking earlier. We we're talking to Ken Anderson. You know, he says, "Hey, man, you you doing anything for WrestleMania?" I said, "Are you kidding?" I said, "I've never once been." Has to do a fan fest yeah Not once even when i didn't have heat I, you know listen our our thing that we're involved in you know it isn't so much about hating the company or not liking a company it's about treating the guys fairly in the business right that's what it's all about. and there has man. been changes since the lawsuit oh yeah you know that's oh, yeah. and that's what it's all about is you know do what's right yeah man so. listen guys like us you, you, you need to be compensated for the what we did go through because you know, did we know what was going on in the wrestling business? Of course. But, you know, the old school thought was you get hit with a chair. If you didn't bend it over a guy's head, you weren't doing it right. I was, yeah. I was telling him a story today. Ken Anderson and I were talking about that. You know, you had to be shaped. The chair had to be shaped like the letter V. And if it wasn't shaped like the letter V, you got yelled at in the locker room. What are you doing? You got to really swing that chair, you know. And now, you know. But, you know, you, you knew how to work the chair, though, back then. You yeah. could make it look like you ripped a guy's head off. Oh, sure, sure. But, uh, you know, a lot of that goes to, and I say this all the time, back then the stable of main eventers was so huge that you had great guys to get in the ring with yeah. most of the time, 99% of the time, right? And now you got kids coming right out of NXT. Not that NXT is not great. It is, but it's still a learning facility, right? And then you get in the ring. Now you're stuck in the – you're thrown into a main event with somebody. Now you got yeah. two young kids that don't really know what – you know, how to get that feeling or do that move the prop – you know, the right. right way. We're not killing anybody, you know, and, and the guys are taking chances. The guys today are forced to make chances, to make decisions to do – Moonsaults off the top rope onto the floor, and and how long can they last doing that? You know, one wrong move, and phew, that's the end of your career. Oh yeah, man, a lot of knees have been busted out more so in the business lately. I mean, look at Seth Rollins. <clears throat> Is that because of the crowd? 
Is that because the wrestlers are trying to do things that have never been seen before? Because, you know, a lot of it, it seems to me like every finishing move has been done. Mm-hmm. When you see a guy with a brand new finisher that you haven't seen before, I'm sorry, finish, Joe. Call a finish. <clears throat> right? <laughs> they call it a finisher and I yelled at them. It's not a finisher. Who, who, call, who says the finisher? That's what's on TV now. And the girls said the girls call it a finisher. What's your finisher? Right, no, yeah. it's not a finisher. It's a finish. <laughs> but when you, you know, when you see it, like when when Seth Rollins brought back the curb stomp a few weeks ago, yeah. I love that because that's an awesome move. It is. It's an awesome move. But it does seem like you know see, everything's been done but before. That's his move, right? What I'm saying. And the perfect thing about the curb stomper is, it's back to the old adage: less is more. Yeah, that's proof that less is more because a lot of times now listen we're in the age of everything being a a one upper mm-hmm. i call it a one upper everybody's trying to do a move that's one up from the last guy that's done it or the last main eventer that's done it and it's impossible to do that because every move's been pretty much done now there's some different kind of finishes that next, today like you see bray wyatt doing sister abigail you know, yeah. that's a great-looking, cool move. I'm sure he developed that himself. You know what I mean? But but those are the best kind of moves, man. They're things that you invent yourself that are safe that can't kill anybody. Yeah. What, what's, what's nuts is when somebody slams somebody 10 times or gives somebody a suplex 10 times and then the finish is a small package. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah, I, I was telling him that. Like, you beat a guy with a roll-up. Yeah. I mean, like uh, – Last, you know, the match last night was between Braun Strowman, uh, Brock Lesnar, and Kane. And Braun Strowman, I mean, listen, if you take three belly to the backs and everything else, you should be pretty much trying you to, move. you should be laying there, you know. And if you're selling it the proper way, you should be laying, especially getting them from Brock. Right. Brock's the universal champ, and he's, a, you know, UFC champ and all that stuff. You should be laying. And I'm sure Strowman probably got talked to in the back. Listen, yeah. man. That's Brock Lesnar giving you those three. You better be laying down. And he's kind of staggering up along the ropes. Oh, if that was Hawk, he would have got reamed, you know, if he would have done that. And Hawk has done that. I remember him taking Rob Van Dam's finish, and he was up before he thought, he thought we went black, you know, to keep his off. And Hawk's standing there in the ring shaking his head, you know. But, uh, yeah, man. It's, but, yeah, I, I think the finishes now are just like um, just the matches themselves are trying to get too creative. And you really don't have to get that creative to tell a story. The so, whole the whole show is about telling a story. It's almost like the old school wrestling. If somebody did that, that would be the gimmick, and you could get over. Yeah, someone should go back to old old school. Old, old school. Nothing but wrestling, like wrestling, the, like Harley Race did. Exactly, or, man. You, or, or like Ric Flair. Hey, know? look, one of the best Mexican wrestlers in our business, Eddie Guerrero, was an old school technical wrestler. Yeah, he did the splash off the top rope. He could high fly. He could do whatever he wanted. Yeah, but he was old school technician that learned from his brother Chavo and his brother Mondo and all the other great Guerreros that wrestled in this country, right? You know, you got to go back to basics sometimes, man. I think that's where the wrestling business is going back to. If you look at the guys that they're trying to sign again, uh, rumor has it that Bobby Lashley just signed a contract. Yeah, so now you got another big built guy going back into the company you know first you had brock now you did you had Strowman. now you got bobby lashley coming into the mix kane's already there so they're getting the big guys back and it's again. almost going back to the way wrestling should be but on the other right. side though you have a guy like finn balor 
who's over. You have a guy like Shinsuke, and yeah. those guys aren't huge, and those yeah. guys are the ones, the good, the, the technical wrestlers who they, you know, they build up and they try to make you believe that, hey, Finn Balor can, you know, work and beat a guy like a Brock Lesnar, but work up to that. You know, you're not going to get... I don't think you're ever going to see that. You don't think you that? No, Finn Balor will never wrestle Brock Lesnar because in reality for him, it would be a two-second deal. You know but, what, though, now that you said this on your podcast, they might do it. <laughs> no kidding. Right? Yeah. I know. No, right. but Finn Balor is great. But that's why you have to have classes in our business. You got cruiserweights, and you should have the middle class, and then you should have the super heavyweight class. I think that if you need to split it up more, because, you know, conceivably, and, and, you know, and here's another thing in the wrestling business, too. We all know it goes in waves and goes in cycles. From my experience, and I think Barry might agree with his experience in this business, when you look at the guys who have been your champions later in the latter part of this business, we'll say, in the last 10 years, you have guys that weren't much bigger than Shinsuke Nakamura or Finn Balor. Now, Finn Balor's in great shape, and he does great stuff. That's why Finn Balor will get a world heavyweight title shot, right? But guys are not phenomenal builds that have been champions in the last 10 years. You know, they look like some of the guys were built like your accountant. Right. No, seriously, I'm not making fun of that, but that's what was the build. Now, if you get the Bobby Lashley's in there, and you get a guy that was Bellator champion, you got a guy that's UFC champion, you got a guy that's world's strongest man, you would better have a better pedigree than just being a guy that looks like an accountant. Yeah. It's going to get back to that. Now, Shinsky is going to go on after his WWE career, and he will be a monstrous huge star in his home country in Japan. Now that he won the biggest title, because you know as well as I right. do, Barry, right. if you're a top dog in the U.S. and you go back to Japan, yeah. you are bigger than top dog. You can't yeah. even you can't even imagine how big you are in Japan, right? You know, so and but but a guy like Balor is is great. I like him better when he comes out with with the head thing he wears and everything else. You know, the demon, the demon look. Yeah, I think that's ten times better. I don't know why he. I think he should have came out personally on Rumble like that. But, you know, it would have been a great entrance. There was a lot of thought last night that he was going to get eliminated early and then come back again as the demon. But do you realize how long that takes to paint on him? I, how, okay. How long do you paint yourself? I mean, I know you paint it, but do you do it all yourself? Yep, do it all myself. How long yeah. does it take you? Uh, if you do the big show, it's about a half hour. The okay. small show is uh, 10, 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, call it the spot show, Faye. So same for you, Joe? Or yeah. you got it down yeah, for yeah, uh, yeah, no, no. I, it takes about that long, even if I rush through it. But I, I paint the small. I paint usually the same face all the time, unless I'm really bored. Yeah. Right. So what's <laughs> right. the difference between yours? What's the uh, the the small one and the big one? Well, you just take more time and more detail. Yeah. Yeah. You know. More little detailing in it. Like if I like you, know, I do a lot of the zebra print stuff in my big show faces. If mm-hmm. not, if I don't feel like it, I just do all black. You know, in the big show, you you it shows better and looks better, and usually yeah. for TV, you need that. Too. Yeah. So you're, if they pay you more, you'll you'll spend a little extra time on the on the face. Yeah, huh? pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Yeah, let's not sugarcoat yeah, it, guys. Pretty much the payday. If the payday's bigger. You're gonna get it. Like Sting's funny. Sting cracks me up. I go around the country. I do appearances. Sting's all out of them. 
He's got a fee for no paint and a fee for yeah, paint. Yeah, how much does he make for painting his face? You get like now? an extra five grand for painting his oh face. Oh, jeez. Otherwise, he just puts sunglasses. Good, tell, good for Sting. I, good for Sting. I tell the promoter, <laughs> you're retarded. <laughs> you are a fool for doing that to pay for an extra paint. You're coming to my town. You're going to paint up, bro, or you ain't yeah. coming. He just and, puts the sunglasses on, right? If it's yeah, no paint, he just no puts kid, a pair right? of black yeah, sunglasses man, on and... That's it's. Hey, great, God bless him, man. If you can make the money. But you know what, though, you you know, because I, Barry, I, I met you at Russell K. That's yeah. where I, I first met you, and yeah, I was telling Joe, you go around, and you look at some of these guys, that you know what, a lot of guys you watch growing up, they've aged a lot. You know, they you, hey, you, you know what, over, that after over, thirty or forty years, right? Uh, you know, and for the for the line of work you guys are in, yeah. for how much you know you put your bodies through. For me, you know what? I've watched you guys 20 years ago. It looks like some of these guys have aged 30 to 40 years. You put that face paint on, though, and you know what? It doesn't look like you aged today. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's it's nice to have that. Uh, you know, you look back at it and you go, glad I painted my face 30 so, years ago. So, Joe, when, when did we start? Were we 20 years old? Is that when we started? Yeah, it was my 21st birthday. Yeah, 21, yeah. and now I'm 58. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you're, you're older. My last now, match so. was a year ago when I got my new knee. So, uh, did you get knee replacement? I got a total knee replacement. Oh, wow. No I, more I pain, no pain in the knee, but it's still, uh, it feels kind of weird. It kind of, I have a clunk in it. Mm. You know, the doctor said I got one of the bigger knees. So, sure. You well, know, you have to look at it, you. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit extra, <laughs> a little extra movement in that knee, but yeah, it feels really good. Well, you so, just a couple more squirts of oil, you'll be right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now I went in, and now my shoulder, my left shoulder, they told me I need a new shoulder. And yeah, said, uh, yeah, it's funny. i got to wait on that one. How's your shoulder you doing? You know, I can't imagine what the shoulder looked like. You know, like a dummy, I fell on my around my pool last year carrying potted plants of all things. And my Next thing you know, my feet are above my ankles, and I fall on my shoulder, and I go in to get an X-ray. Was it a good bump, or was it a? It was a. It was a solid a good solid bump. Good I'd have graded it probably about a nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah. And then I, um, so I go into the doctor, and I had an Indian doctor. God bless him, man. And uh, he reads my X-ray, and he goes, well, "You hit my car?" I said, no, <laughs> "No, I fell by my pool. I just slipped." And he, he goes, my lord, what happened to your shoulder? You know, and I and I told him, you know, my what I did for a living and stuff. He goes, it looks like a hand grenade went off inside that thing. And I remember when I was 29, I'll never forget Dr. Alan Markman, who was at Tria, you know, did all our operations, yeah. right? Uh, looked at me, he said, you got the shoulder of like a 79 year old man. He goes, what did you do? And I said, it's a wrestling business, you know. And I think all the time, press slamming and heavy militaries, a 405 behind the neck, and all that. We, ridiculous weightlifting didn't help it at all either you know and he told me back then he goes you're gonna need a shoulder replacement someday and when this, i talked to this indian guy he said the same thing he goes you need a replacement now and it's been really bad man i think about going in and getting a couple more shots in my joints because i can't really move my right shoulder at all now my left one's acting up because i've been compensating for all these years in the gym even when I'm, i only go light now it's still compensating and now I wake up in the middle of the night, like at 2, 3, 3, 2 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning, and my left side is, you know, that aching, yep. stabbing, yep. like it's like yep. a fever in your shoulder, and it's throbbing, and you can't go to sleep, and it's, uh, it's been a damn tag. You, you know, you think about it, you know, over all the years of how many matches you've had, you know, in a year's time, you know, you, you probably, out of 365 days, you probably have, let's say, 250 matches, 300 Minimum. matches. Yeah. You know, and then you multiply that by how many years? 
yeah. know, 20 years. You're looking 20 at six, years of that. 6,000 matches. And, you know, when you, when you look at it that way, if you take bumps every night, two, three, four bumps, so there's 18,000 bumps you've taken in your life. Contusions. You know, you know one or two of those you're going to land wrong at least, yeah. right, out of 18,000. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to get hurt. And the average person who says, holy cow, you had 6,000 matches. Well, of course you're going to hurt your body. Yeah. You have to. But yet you come back and you perform every time after you get hurt. And you don't even know you're hurt until after you, you get out of the business for a while and you get the aches and pains. My know? back hurts like a mother right now. Just from falling down three times. Yeah, well, you know, you're out of shape, Joe. So. Whoa! I'm only kidding. I'm kidding. I'm hey. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But Jeez. no, hey, it was really good though. I gi- I give you props. A lot of guys, we have this in our business that are some of the guys that are writing for WWE and everybody else have never stepped foot in that ring to take a bump, and they're yeah. telling guys how to do bumps. And I give you props for getting in that ring and taking a bump, and having Ken Anderson show you how to hit the ropes. I want it. It's something that I've wanted to do. I feel like if I'm talking about this, I need to go out there and experience. Over the summer, we were I was doing a radio show from a tennis tournament. And you sit there, you watch you watch it on TV and you see how they hit it back and forth and you're thinking, oh, what the hell?" You know, that's it looks like it's how hard fast. Could it how be? hard could it be? So, at this thing, the guy was like ranked 670 in the world. You know, that's yeah. that's not not great. You know, he's not and, much better than you are. Right? Well, That's yeah, right, right. I'm like, you know, maybe like 680 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I say, you know, I told the organizer, I was like, hey, I want to, you know, one of our commercial breaks, I want him to hit, I want him to serve at me. I want to stand there and I want to see what this is like. And holy shit. Did you even react? I, the first one hit me. I, I'm standing there holding the tennis racket and it hits my forearm. Didn't even have time to react. <laughs> And you watch the video, it hits my forearm, and a second later, I look down at my forearm to go, what was that? And I've, you know what? like I've, 100 mile an hour serves, man. Yeah. This guy's going over 100 mile an hour You know an what? I've been in a batter's box with a 95 mile an hour fastball. I've seen that. I've yeah. swung. I've made contact with that. 140 mile an hour serve in tennis? No clue. And you, you sit there and you get such an appreciation of that, that these guys are returning, you know, a hundred of these over a two, three-hour tennis match to get in the ring and to do that. And I'd always heard how much it hurts going off the rope, how your back's going to hurt. And, you know, I went off at slow speed, but, damn it, there's a certain way to hit that rope if you don't want to be black and blue at the end if of the day. You, if you watch the new product today, you will see the difference in hitting the ropes. I mean, we all hit the ropes to yeah. <clears throat> use those ropes as a slingshot to come off Pick up hard. Speed, yeah. We're gonna to have to give Joe a present here one day. I'll take him in the ring and let him get a uh, let him take one of my tackles or something. Oof, oof. I, you know what? I'll take it. I'll oh, do bro, it. let me tell you, you won't have a choice. I'll take it. <laughs> hey, I have a choice you, to step through the you, ropes. You, uh, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. When he hits you, you want to go down just to take the because no, but Aaron, that, but that's the Andy's way. showing you the video right now of me taking the serve. You didn't even move. No, and it hit me uh, in the arm. That's funny, man. Barry. Take a look. I mean, it hits me in the arm, and I don't move a muscle. I, I did not know that. It, I mean, I knew it was coming. I watched it the whole way, and just didn't move at all. 
But no, I feel like, yeah, you get in the ring and you do that. Like, you know, I see it every, and I told you, Joe, we're, when we go on Radio Row, we, we pitched you out there to all this. You're going to go around. You're going to pitch the podcast. You're going Whoa. to do all this stuff tomorrow. Right. You know, on yeah. Tuesday on Radio Row, pitching the podcast. Yeah. They're going to want to talk XFL. They're going to want to talk Ronda Rousey with you. And I said, it's going to be one of three things. You're going to have the super wrestling fan that's going, <laughs> oh, my God, I get to talk to Road Warrior Animal. You're going to have the guy that's going, hey, you know what, former wrestler, it's topical to talk Ronda Rousey and XFL. Let's get him on. And then you're going to have the people that go, wrestling's fake. I don't want to talk to this guy. And it's those that that group of people that it's just like you, you guys aren't trying to you know you're not at Eddie Sharkey's school anymore. You're not sitting here you know you you can admit that you're not throwing real punches and everything. That you can you, you know everybody knows what the business is these days. It's entertainment. Right. You're going out there and yes yeah you're getting you know and I don't think the people realize that it's gonna hurt. That you you, you know what you were saying the first or Ken Anderson was saying the first mat that he ever wrestled on was. What was it? Tire, uh, tire. Oh, our, our same rails thing. It, and was, that. it was four plywood. by. It was yeah. you know, like eight by eights or something like that. It was a boxing it, ring that was old. Yeah, and yeah it had uh, yeah. plywood on top of it with carpet on top of that with the, with the canvas. That was it? And that's you know what that that's real pain right there. There's yeah. there's nothing to there's nothing fake about hitting that square in your back. And the fact that we had the wall on the one side, we got bone chips out of it from hitting the wall with our elbow. Yeah. Well, you know, and then uh, you know, you get up to the WWF at the time. It. Uh, their rings were hard as a rock too because you'd have guys that are 500 pounds in the ring you couldn't have a bouncy ring yeah so you know you have a battle royal look at the size of the crew that was in there it it had to be a stiff ring so all the time you had a stiff ring all the time you just had to know how to know how to take a bump otherwise you get yeah. killed mm-hmm. yeah you know how to hit or be hit because it was right. going to happen no matter what right so yeah i Trust me, I've I knew what I was getting. I didn't go in there thinking I was going to fall on a pillow. Right. I knew what I was going in there for, but it you know it makes you appreciate it a hell of a lot more. To where you know when when I'm sitting there watching it, and I you know before there were certain moves where I'd go ow, there's be a heck of a lot more moves that I'm saying ow now when I watch every day. So how how many pay per views are there this year for the WWE? I believe they have. I want to say it was. It's a lot of pay-per-views, don't they? Yeah, because well, they they Almost split the brand month. too. So they split the brand. So it's not every guy's not working every okay. single month. Okay. It's you know they do have have it split up to where there are Raw, SmackDown, and then they're going to have five this year where both brands are on it. But I would say it's probably close to everybody. You're working eight nine pay-per-views a year, wow. if not more. So they got to be doing pretty good then. WWE money wise, yes. Ratings wise, no. They're bringing oh. in the money. But as far as the live figures, the live uh, viewership, that that those numbers. I mean, but they're never going to hit well, those numbers again. Barry and I both know that too. They say that the money dollars coming in too. We right. know how that's. <laughs> right. That's well, it must be doing pretty good if there's a, a new bit. if there's a new football league that's happening. Bro, so. you know it's going to die. Yeah, it's but gonna, what I'm saying is the wrestling must be doing pretty good if he's starting another organization. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's got to be the wrestling money that you're opening. You're doing that with. Yeah, I th- right. that's his I, own money. He I think, actually I think was- sold uh, sold shares to start a brand new company with money, and that's the company that he started but the you XFL know, out of. You know as well as I do, though, that what they're going to do with that is it's just like with the NFL, is that he's going after the sponsorship dollars. Sooner or later, it won't even it'll be his money to start, but the money he'll make back with sponsorship right. money, because right now, because what Vince has gotten to the level of is the production end of things. 
Right. And he can produce one hell of a show. We all know that. Oh, he's unbelievable. Re- wrestling right now, though, fan base wise, we remember back when we were, you guys were the champs, and we were the champs in the other company. Yeah. We were in 20 million homes. Right. Now it's, a, it's in less than 2 million. Wow. wow. And you, when you looked in Brooklyn and you looked in the Manhattan Center, it was not sold out all the way around. You know, and that mm-hmm. was for Raw and SmackDown. And uh, I don't even know how it was uh, this past Sunday. It was a good house. You know, don't get me wrong. Because right. it's a pay-per-view. Right. They always do good. The pay-per-views always do good. But the numbers-wise on their regular house shows have not been that great. Sells out of the country is still phenomenal. Oh, though. you mean the UK it sells out everywhere, yeah. Japan it sells out everywhere. So yeah, it's, it's always phenomenal there. Anytime they go to Ireland now, they go to India now, they go to China now. So it's always great in those countries too because it's brand new. Right. You know, first time you got Jinder Mahal. So now you go over to India with Jinder Mahal when he's champion. Are you kidding me? If an Indian guy going to India, right? Come on, you know, right. it's huge. You know, so. But uh, with the uh, Barry, I got to ask you because the yeah. wrestling fans will want to know this. <clears throat> In your run with the WWF slash WWE, what was your most fun time or your favorite angle with another tag team? Man, we know you wrestled a lot of great ones. You know, British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation. You know the the Rougeos, the Mounties, right. you know, and some of that. Who, who was your, your most fun team to work against? I, you know, like all, all of them were incredible because they were all professionals. But I think, uh, you know, when we first were getting the big push, when it was Tom Zink and oh. Rick Martell, that was kind of our, our first really big angle. And then Tom Zink left. But at, at that time, we were probably the biggest heels we were, and they were the biggest babyface team at that time. Oh, they were pure and when, and when Tom Zink left, it kind of you know messed up that whole angle, and Tito came in, and it worked fantastic. But after that, I think the Hart Foundation with Jimmy Hart in the corner, that was some of the best angles we ever did. And they were great to work with, and... With Fuji outside and with Jimmy Hart outside, it was just a, a really, really good situation. And like I said before, it would have been the best with you guys, but it just never, they never pushed it right to be the best. No, they just never built it right, the right way. But I'll tell you, I, I tell my son all the time that I, I was, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. We've, uh, you know, how many friends do you have in wrestling? You know, hundreds of friends. Yeah. And, and you see, you see your friends at some of these shows, you know, autograph deals, and it was just like you you were with them yesterday. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you could call up anybody in any state and say, hey, I'm coming into L.A. Do you mind if I come and stay with you? Everybody take you in. I mean, that's – so I it was the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, man, they, they will not understand that the fraternity that the wrestlers have, it's a giant fraternity. Yeah. Uh, anytime, anywhere, any, anybody you know in the wrestling business is not. Is, everybody's willing to lend a hand to help one one another out if they need it, or like you say, come stay at my house, or yeah. you know, <clears throat> hey, let's do this appearance together. You know, yeah. there's no the ego goes out the door once you once you get out of the ring, get out of the major company. Yeah. Eagles go out the door, and because everybody knows at the end of the day, you're normal guys. With you're weird, all the same. Normal guys is a weird job. Right. That's right. all it is. That's you what I tell everybody all the time. What's, what's really a shame, though, is uh, you know you look back at Hawk, and you look at Rick Rude, and Kurt Hennig, and Brady Boone, and you know all the guys that we broke in the business with that have died. And it's like, why did they die? 
Yeah. Was it the wrestling business? Was it, you know, the pain pills and the drugs and the hits on the head and, you know, just, you know, why? You know, could you imagine, you know, Joe Hennig seeing his dad right now? I mean, his dad would be so proud of him. You know, it's just... Kurt still be wrestling? Oh, my God, he would be. It just, uh, you know, it, you just kind of wonder what would have happened... You know, would they be alive if they didn't wrestle? You know. Yeah, yeah. You got, you got kind of wonder. I, I would, I would imagine though. I mean, we because you mean you and I have known everybody that has died really good. What do we have? Like sixty or seventy guys. <clears throat> yeah, that we know and so, died? but a lot, I mean, that's a good lesson for the, the young listeners to learn here. There are no shortcuts in life, and when you start dabbling down the wrong road, I, I do this yeah. all the time when I do motivational speaking. You have road A and road B. Believe me, I've been down road A. Go road B. Yeah, road B is a lot smoother, a lot less headaches, and you're still alive. Yeah, you know, and and it's life's about choices, and when you make those kind of choices, like those, like our friends make, you know, yep. it's and then I love we love them to death. I mean, especially you growing up with Rick Rude yeah. and Henning. I oh. mean, they were your high school buddies, yeah, right? And Brady Boone and Brady I mean. Boone, man, was another one. I forgot about Brady Boone, man, who accidentally took a wrong turn and drove his truck off his van off the freaking interstate. Yeah, I mean, and died in Tampa there, you know. Uh, but you, you just got life's choices, man. You just got to learn not to do those kind of things. It's going to send you to that big deep hole in the ground, you know. Yeah, Barry, we're going to see you at uh, WrestleCon down in New Orleans. You are. I nice. am. I'm going to be there. Um, I'm. I don't know what day I'm getting there. Or I can't remember the dates on exactly yeah. what it is. But I, yes, I am going to be there. I who, are you, who are you going down for? Uh, Marty. Are you? You know Marty? Yeah. Who are you going there with? I don't know. I, I'm supposed to go down with Marty, but I got yeah. some other guys that are trying to. Well, I, we've had so many phone calls, but uh, yeah. he was the first one, and we just said, "Yep, that's it." I know my, my problem. You know? My problem with Marty is I lowball him my very first year, and he's kept me to that every year. I've been losing. So it's all about money, is it? Yes, it's about money. Damn right, he doesn't, hey, he doesn't do the full paint down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got the spot show paint this for year, Marty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm going in with a Halloween mask this year. <laughs> no paint at all. Uh, I have my my 1988 uh, AWA Halloween costume, the Vern Gagne made for me, the uh, Road Warrior costume. Man. Well, Joe, I, I'm proud that you're that we're friends and proud uh, of what yeah, you're doing man. too with your grandkids, and you've had a great career and. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm glad we're still friends. And Oh, yeah, you know. man, of course, man. We've been friends for a long time. Yeah. Man, over 30 years, bro. Over 35 30? years. 35 Gosh, years. 37 it. years. Really. Jesus. Yeah, can you believe that? That's crazy. That's older than and you, still talking. It is. Yeah, I know. And we're still walking and moving and right? yeah. everything else. and. Well, Barry, we look forward to seeing you well, down in uh, New Orleans. Yes, and, and, and they, thank uh, you for coming by the office. Thank here you and, for having us here. It's uh, it's uh, hey, hey, Joe. Is, you know, Joe's mentioned to me many times. It's you know, it's great to see when the guys uh, when when the guys get out of the business and find something else that they're passionate about doing. It's you know, it gives me appreciation for as well. And you know, on top of that, man, you know, there's a lot of wrestling fans out there that uh, are in the construction business and do a lot of stuff here that you guys provide, Barry, and. Uh, you know, we're going to give everybody all the information here on our podcast, where mm-hmm. to contact it. And uh, if you want to get stuff done, I mean, listen, the wrestling fans, are you kidding me? That own your own construction company or 
the city workers. Order you, some you, hard hats you and need safety vests. Hard hats, safety vests, T-shirts for your company, man. Come get them here. Hey, you'll get stuff from Smash of Demolition. Are you kidding me? They'll like that themselves, man. Come on. Who's, where'd you get that? I got that from Smash of Demolition. Remember WWE champions? <laughs> Come on, man. It's an easy. It's an easy selling point for your company, and uh, it's a great deal, man. I'm proud of you, bro. I'm glad you. Thank you. Glad you're happy and happy you. for you, you and Teresa being grandparents, and it's uh, it's an awesome honor. It's good. Joe, uh, take us home, unless you want Barry to take us home. Let like Barry we just had. take yeah. us home, man. What a rush. How about that? <laughs> From the mouth of smash of demolition. What a rush. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week.